Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another edition of the Sambacel Podcast on the Ambiguous Network. And right now, I'm going to be bringing you the latest and greatest going on around the world of Hollywood. Hope everyone is having a wonderful start to their weekend. And right now, I'm going to be talking about Wes Anderson's new film that was announced a few days ago. Plus, I'll be discussing Joker's box office tracking numbers and much more. But the first order of business I want to get into is in the world of Breaking Bad. And as it was reported a few months ago, the... El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie, is hitting Netflix on October 11th. It is going to be written and directed by the showrunner of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, Vincent Cassell, and it's going to be starring Aaron Paul. And The Hollywood Reporter came out with an article, really the exclusive look into the behind the scenes of the making of El Camino and the process of making a sequel to the lauded show that was Breaking Bad, considered by many to be one of the first few to usher in this era of peak TV, the one to usher in really the era of binge-watching on Netflix, and one of the best shows some people consider of all time, some people consider in this era. And so there was a lot riding on El Camino, and this is a film that nobody really had any indication that was being made. There were some reports in the summertime regarding this movie that there could be something, a sequel or whatnot, being made. And then it was announced that Aaron Paul is coming back for this and it would it would showcase his character and give his character some closure after what happened to him in the series finale of Breaking Bad. But there wasn't anything else until in August there was a teaser trailer released at Netflix, dropped by Netflix, that it would be called El Camino, a Breaking Bad film. It didn't have Aaron Paul, it didn't have anything until you saw the title card. And it wasn't even announced when it was it was first that Cassell and all of them would be coming back and a Breaking Bad movie would be made. That it would be dropping on Netflix. Netflix dropped the teaser trailer and that was it. And they let all the, the speculation ride from then on out. So in the Hollywood Reporter article, they, they talked about that. And Vince Gilligan talked about how making this movie, it was very secretive in that... Basically, they try to cover this film and the production in complete secrecy. They flew people in by helicopter in and out that they didn't want to be detected whatsoever. And to me, when when hearing about that, I think it's really a commendable job that they did of making sure that this was kept under wraps. We know, especially when some people go and shoot out on location, which they did in Albuquerque, which is where the, the actual show was filmed as well, that... You're going to have people that are noticing what's going on, and some things can leak out that way, whether it's by the press itself or people leak it to the press. It's something that happens, but they were able to kind of go in complete secrecy, shrouded in no announcements whatsoever until Vince Gilligan wanted this to be dropped by whether it's Netflix or news outlets. And so I love him for what he did in terms of that respect in that Netflix, AMC, they all gave him his due of saying, you know what, let's not release any announcements. We're just going to give him his due and give him what he needs to make this movie. And everything was dictated by him. Everything in terms of the the actual writing, in terms of direction, everything he did was by his own regard, as it should be because he's the one that created this show. And the fact that he gets Aaron Paul back to close this out. And what's other really interesting about this article is that in, in details, he talks about how the film is going to be really geared towards the hardcore fans. And that what we're going to get into a little later on, talking about Downton Abbey or something like Entourage, which they have a movie that comes out that kind of geared towards people that are hardcore fans that will understand it with Easter eggs, but they'll still 
remain give them the basic outline of of the characters like they did with Entourage and even with Downton Abbey which is one of the positives I give about that movie is how I was able to still connect with those characters even though I knew nothing about them from having not watched the show but with Breaking Bad he's saying with this one it's we're not going to recap what happened we're not going to give people that that engine of being able to kind of catch up with these characters. If you don't know these characters, then that's on you. Go back and watch the show is essentially what he's saying. And that people who have stuck with this show since the beginning, who are fans of it, will understand everything from all the characters. Apparently, there's 10 characters from the show, including Aaron Paul's character, coming back into this movie. And that this is really for the fans that have stuck with the show from the very beginning of Better Call Saul or of Breaking Bad. Also, something that has been notorious with Netflix now is that it will be premiering A, on AMC a few days after it premieres on Netflix, but it'll be premiering in theaters, 68 to be exact according to the article, across the country, and it'll be shown at independent cinemas, kind of like what Netflix has been doing with Roma, with The Irishman, with Marriage Story. That's really what they do. That's their strategy to gearing films to be put into the cinema. Not a lot of theater, major theater chains like AMC, Regal, they will not be housing it. It'll be more art house films like the Alamo Draft House and a few others as well. But people would be able to go see them if they're able to find these cinemas. And I think that's something where if people want to go see it in the theaters and experience it like those other films I announced, like Abby and Entourage, they can go experience it in the theater. And I love how Gilligan talked about it where basically he said uh, we, we, we were always able to watch the premiere of the movie in – the in 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 a, in a theater setting, but nothing else. And I think he said that this is geared, even though it's it's based off of an in a sequel off of a TV show. It is played out like a movie, like a cinema feature instead of a TV show. So I love that the person who created this masterful show is able to craft himself into doing something incredible. So I'm really excited about this movie, and I know probably some of you guys are Breaking Bad fans out there as well, and you're really excited to see where they conclude this story, whether they make a new one after this one or not, but it seems like this one is all about Jesse Pinkman's character and concluding his story arc in the Breaking Bad story. Guys, what do you think? Are you excited about El Camino, a Breaking Bad story? And this article, I highly recommend checking it out. Go down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Next thing I want to talk about is Ang Lee and Gemini Man. I said it a few days ago where Eric Davis, managing editor over at Fandango, he was able to go see the movie along with a few other journalists and that he was able to experience what is being called a visual feat in the Gemini Man. And he let out on Twitter his thoughts on the movie and he praised the 3D, the high frame rate, the way that they were able to convert Will Smith from an uh, from an older perspective into a younger one and that it's Will Smith if he Will Smith, both young and old, and that it looks seamless. And then a few articles came out where he was talking to these journalists, and Ang Lee talked about the technology that he used for this one, whether it be the high frame rate or the visual effects. And he talked about how it wasn't, and I was even confused with it as well, where it's not de-aging that he uses, it's more along the lines of something more basically digital, where he created a, a digital rendition of Will Smith. They basically put all, all of the, the CGI where that you would put on all the dots, all the the, the mocap, everything, and then they created it off of that. It wasn't like they just put little dots around his face and molded his face to be younger. They did everything young. The, the moves, the reflexes, the hair, everything is younger for Will Smith in this movie. And, and I think that 
is incredible. And the fact that he said that junior, that that process, that's the younger Will Smith, all started from scratch. It was st- completely a digital rendition and that they were able, and that, that he said was one of the hardest processes that he had to do and why he wanted to do this movie. And he even said that this is also a Jerry Bruckheimer film because it comes from Jerry Bruckheimer and Paramount. And Jerry Bruckheimer is known for his great action movies over the years as well. And I think with this one, it sounds like the action sequences coped up with the visual feats that they do, including the high frame rate, which a lot of filmmakers, like I said before, Peter Jackson was one that has been for years trying to crack it. He tried to do it with The Hobbit. He wasn't able to do it. People got motion sickness because with high frame rate, it makes you feel like you're – it's like – it's like it's live almost. It's like a live theater experience that's going on. So the frame rate seems like everything's moving really, really fast and like everything's moving at a different pace. And sometimes it can, like it did with The Hobbit, people feel a little uneasy. But it sounds like with what Ang Lee has done, which he is a amazing director, both on a on an emotional level and also a technical level. And I think what he seems to have accomplished here is what goes along with what you see in the trailers for Gemini Man. So I always, I, I, I still have my doubt. I don't have my doubts, but I'm holding cautious about this movie just because it's, I, I trust Will Smith, but even though Will Smith was in Suicide Squad, he was in Aladdin. Those are high IP films that benefit from having Will Smith in them. I just don't know. In terms of box office, I think I'm more afraid of this just because I love the originality of this movie. I love that it's being made, and I would hate to see for it to flounder, really, because I'm sure the budget for this one is insane. And to get someone like Will Smith, does he have the same box office sentiment that he did? I don't doubt that this film is going to be amazing, and it sounds like it's amazing because I don't doubt Ailey. When Ailey, when I saw Ailey's, uh, his credit on this movie, I knew right away that this can't be a bad movie. Could it be okay? Yeah. Could it be great? Absolutely. That's where the range can go. It can't just be a bad movie. Could it be? Yes. But with Ang Lee, I know that at least the gauge I can go for is core to great is is really the standard that I go with with an Ang Lee movie. So I'm really excited to see what he does with this movie. If really all the praise is is on this movie, then I it makes me more anticipated to see this movie than I was before for it. And it probably, I don't know if it did shoot up on my most anticipated list, but if I see some more footage for this movie, then I think it definitely will be. But I'll go in and be shocked by it. Uh, I'm excited to see what Ang Lee does with this movie because I, I am a somebody who is a sucker for digital feats with movies. And so I'm really excited to see what Ang Lee does with Gemini Man. Guys, are you excited for Gemini Man? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Next thing I want to talk about, guys, is Wes Anderson's new movie was announced. It is being titled The French Dispatch. It was acquired by Fox Searchlight, who have done recently films such as you have The Favorite that was being done. You have Ad Astra, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. That's coming out by them. You have Jojo Rabbit. for uh, Excuse me, not for Fever Ferrari. That's 20th Century Fox. But Fox Searchlight, Jojo Rabbit, which won the big prize at the Toronto International Film Festival. They just picked up Wes Anderson's film, and it's being described as a love letter to journalists set in an American-backed newspaper in the French offices. It has a cast, a stacked cast, as a lot of Wes Anderson films does, with Benicio Del Toro, Francis McDormand, Jeffrey Wright, Adrian Brody, Timothy Chalamet, Leah Sudu, Tilda Swinton, Stephen Park, Owen Wilson, and Bill Murray, who is a mainstay for Wes Anderson movies. And for me, I know people love Wes Anderson. I I, I enjoy his movies. I'm not a 
a lover of his movies, but I enjoy them whenever they come out. And so to me, this sounds like something that's right up his alley. I'm sure it'll be in discussion for a lot of Academy Awards when it comes out next year. And especially when you get Fox Searchlight like to do it, I'm sure they're going to position it for some kind of awards run. And Anderson even said that this is not something about freedom of the press, but I can imagine for somebody like Wes Anderson, it will have ties to things that are that are prevalent to, in today's society and that will speak to things that are going on in the world today. So for Wes Anderson, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited and interested to see what this movie is about. So guys, are you interested to see what Wes Anderson's movie is about, The French Dispatch? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Now to go over to some box office news. Joker is tracking for $82 million, according to prognosticators that track these numbers early on. And Joker is a film that won the Golden Lion at Venice Film. It's been getting a lot of buzz, a lot of controversial buzz, both not really negative, some negative reviews, but a lot of mixed to positive to lauded reviews for the Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix, Robert De Niro, Zazie Beetz, and it's directed by the Hangover director, Todd Phillips. And it's basically about a man who suffers from mental diseases and is basically shows society just beat down on him until he breaks and becomes this mass murdering clown and terrorizes the city of Gotham. And again, it's been getting a lot of traction, won the Venice Film Festival top award for the Golden Lion, positioning itself for prime award season run, such as Best Picture, Best Actor, which Joaquin Phoenix has been getting a lot of buzz about. And it seems like people are responding to the to the reviews, whether they're good or bad, and, and that it's a conversation starter, the Joker is, and that right now, it's tracking to gross around $82 million at the box office, which would be huge for a movie like this, which only has a budget of around $50 million. It's a gritty, realistic film that takes place in the 80s. It feels more along the lines of a king of comedy and taxi driver than it does something like A Dark Knight, which even that is a grittier failure, even like an MCU movie at some point, or even something that takes place in the DCEU, like A Man of Steel or BBS or Aquaman. It's something completely different, and it seems like people are at least responding to that. And also what's interesting is that the box office prognosticators have a few other movies that are coming out that are projected to do well, decently well right now, it seems like, for their respective budgets. Adam's Family, which is an animated film coming out a week, a week later after Joker, starring Oscar Isaac, Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz. It is projected to gross $20 million based off of the animated feature and, and animated show with the Adams Family. Gemini Man is also projected to, to gross opening weekend $26 to $30 million opening weekend. Just talked about Ang Lee and what he thought about that movie making it starring Will Smith. So Will Smith still has some firepower left in him, it seems like, for a movie like this. And we can see if once the rev more reviews come out for this movie and the Tomatoes meter score comes out, which a lot of people seems like they they revere Rotten Tomatoes. And if, 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 if the buzz works for that movie, then I think that, that number could go up. But going back to Joker, though, this is great, I think, to see the hype for this movie build. Again, whether it's good or bad, you get a conversation starter primed for Academy Award season run. And I think if the goal, especially to get just to nominations, is to keep it going until it gets to January when it's an, the nominations are announced and then you run it through February to win it. But this year it's a little bit different. You get the nomination, but then you only have a little bit of time to run it for an actual win as it February 9th is the Academy Awards for this year. It's a lot shorter than it usually is. Usually it's the last Sunday in February. And so... 
right now it just has to keep the momentum going. And if it tracks for this and it keeps the momentum going in terms of, of having long legs at the box office and people go see it multiple times, I think you're going to be able to keep that record going and to keep the conversation going for this movie. So I'm excited to see Joker tallying this much. I'm excited to see this movie. I cannot wait to see this movie. I'm a big fan of Todd Phillips and to see him doing something different, kind of going along the route of an Adam McKay-like in which turning, going from comedy to something more serious and driven and gritty, I think is incredible. And I can't wait to see what Joaquin Phoenix delivers because it sounds like he could be well on his way, not just to a Best Actor nomination to a potential Oscar win for himself after being nominated for about three to four times in his past. It seems like he might have hit his mark with Joker. Guys, are you excited about Joker and its box office run? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. Another thing I want to get to, guys, speaking of Joaquin Phoenix, is that he has his new film being distributed by A24. It was picked up by them. There's no official announcement in terms of what the plot is in the movie, but it will begin production this fall. It's going to be written directed by Mike Mills. Again, A24 is a company that is a huge, 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 huge indie company that is a big award season prognosticator. Example being Moonlight when it won in 2016. So I think when you have Joaquin Phoenix going back to something, even though the Joker has been slated as being an original take on a on a comic character, comic book villain, it seems like Joaquin is going back to the original films that he loves to do, gearing up for another juicy role if I can expect him to be doing. And I wouldn't be surprised if whatever results come out of the Joker and for him for this year's Oscars, I think we'll be seeing back for award season next year with A24. And then going back into a little bit more of the box office, Thursday night screenings are done. Preview night was last night for Ad Astra, Down Abbey, Rambo Last Blood. And right now, a lot of people are looking at the Friday numbers and the weekend overall. And going through, it sounds like Down Abbey could potentially be the winner this weekend for the box office. It Chapter 2 seems like it doesn't have enough after being number one for two straight weekends. Coming in with three films, Downton at Astra and Rambo Last Blood. Down Abbey seems to be pulling away, and what we thought would could have been at Astra or Rambo Last Blood taking the box office. The film that is that a lot of people probably love it is sounds like Down Abbey is going to be winning the box office. $2.1 million on its preview night. Preview screenings, when it was preview screenings, that what I saw last week when I reviewed the movie, it was out for a few people to go see to get the buzz going about it. That in itself grossed $2.2 million in one night. Right now, it's projected to have a $14.5 million Friday and a projected $33 million debut overall during the weekend. And it's projected right now to look like it'll be the first opening in nine, number one opening in nine years for Focus Features, which is a huge, huge, incredible feat for Focus and for Downton Abbey, who, again, it shows that people want to see this movie and that people are excited about it and people want to see these characters again in, in, in this world. And so for Universal, who is the – the Focus Features is a specialty, is another sub sub-company for Universal. It's going to be a great win for them and a surprise one as people thought the film that looks like it could be down in the box office, both Ad Astra and Rambo Last Blood, not – really performing to standards right now and not really propelling what people thought could be a $20, $25 million projection and beating Down Abbey, especially for Rambo Last Blood, which right now it took in $1.3 million and was the third 
the third in from the other new releases last night. It's projected to make $6.8 million today. Those official projections will come in tomorrow morning on Saturday. And then overall during the weekend, it looks like it's going to be making $17 million overall for the weekend. And then same with Ad Astra, $1.5 million last night. $7.1 million projected for tonight, $18.5 to $20 million projection for the overall weekend. And for Ad Astra, that's a little tight because a lot with a lot of these Fox movies that Disney is putting out right now, it doesn't seem like they're really hitting as much. And it, I think for Disney, they put in a lot with this one. They put it in film festivals that's gaining some awards traction. You have Brad Pitt as the star. It has an $80 million plus production budget. It seems like audiences, even though critics are liking it, audiences aren't really connecting with it as well as people thought they would. It seems like Ad Astra might not be living up to the hype and could be another potential dud in Fox's category now in Disney's hands. excuse me. And speaking of Rambo Last Blood, this will be a big disappointment because people thought that it could have had a shot of dethroning it Chapter 2 and not being down in Abbey. But it seems like out of all these, Rambo could come in number 3 and last in terms of the new releases that are coming out this week. So for Rambo Last Blood, it could it have a surge in the next few days? Maybe, but it seems like down Abbey is going to be taking the number one spot, dethroning Pennywise the Dancing Clown. But we still have two days, and I will have the official box office projections on Monday when we do our annual box office recap. And the final thing, guys, that I want to talk about today is a little bit of MCU talk that's going on. And the first thing I want to get into is the Infinity Saga and that Kevin Feige announced that basically there would be an Infinity Saga DVD set incorporating all 23 movies from the MCU so far, from Iron Man to Endgame to Infinity War to Spider-Man Far From Home, and that they had a little bit of a highlight reel incorporating all the movies. And I think for this one in particular, to me, this was shown at Comic-Con before the Phase 4 announcement was brought from Kevin Feige to the world. And to me, it just kind of brought the goosebumps back and hearing Tony Stark kind of do an overview and really focusing on the fact that it, it, it was his overall arching story, the hero's journey from a selfish billionaire playboy to somebody who sacrifices himself for his family and for his friends. I think that was incredible. And just to kind of see all those movies is incredible. I don't know if I'm going to buy the box set, but it seems like it definitely could get fans hyped to buy the 1 through 23 and everything else that's incorporated with the Infinity Saga. And then, of course, what was announced this morning that Marvel Studios is now kicking off, and Disney, because Marvel Studios is under Disney, Walt Disney Studios, they're kicking off their Oscar campaign, and they are putting on screenings for their consideration for, surprisingly, and not so surprisingly, the adapted screenplay that was done by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, and I totally agree with them to putting the adapted screenplay out. I have been lauding that screenplay that it should get some consideration, along with Robert Downey Jr. for best whether they put him an actor or best supporting actor, which he might have a better shot at, because of the way that that Marcus and McFeely were able to just weave in all these different movies and make it feel so connected and so and and feel so final and a finality to this epic journey that we've been through since 2008 and to make it feel emotional yet funny and heartbreaking and heartwarming and people laughing, people crying. The way that they were just able to put people on a roller coaster ride through the end was incredible, and so I'm happy to see that if they focus on anything other than Downey Jr. maybe getting some Oscar buzz, it is that best adapted screenplay, and we saw it happen with Logan a few years ago, that superhero movies are making their way through, Logan did it, 
Black Panther just did it with best best picture, and it did it on a lot of below the line, such as best production design, best score. And so I think for them to actually get this going and to get an Oscar consideration campaign going for this, I love it. I'm down for it, and I hope that it gets some consideration. But I think Joker might be the one that overtakes a lot of the hype in terms of the superhero movie getting some attention. So I'm I'm fine with as well. I can't wait to see that movie as well. But if Endgame goes for anything, it's those two things, a supporting actor nod or an acting nod for Downey and an Oscar campaign for the best screenplay, best adapted screenplay for Avengers Endgame. What do you guys think? Do you guys want to see an Oscar campaign for anything else for Avengers Endgame? Let me know down below in the comment section and leave your thoughts. And guys, that's going to be it for this edition of the Sam Cell Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to check out my channel for more content. You can check me out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Radio Public, SoundCloud, and much more. Also, make sure to tune into On the Ambiguous Network and to be checking in on their amazing shows that they have on hand, such as You Mad Bro, the number one source to see what the internet is pissed off about on a weekly basis. Also, check out Goal-Driven Professionals, geared toward improving client relations, return on investment, and customer acquisition costs for independent businesses and services. You can check them on their website at ambiguousnetwork.com, also on Facebook and Twitter at Real Ambiguous. Also, make sure to follow me on social media after you do all that on Twitter at Basel Samuel. It's B-U-S-S-E-L-L-S-A-M-U-E-L and on Facebook at Sam Basel. Thank you guys again so much and until next time, keep on screening.